So as we continue our series uh, called Vintage Wisdom in the book of Proverbs tonight, we're going to be talking about making good decisions. You know, as we've said in the beginning that we can't just give you one proverb because the book of Proverbs is truth condensed into a single line. And so in order to actually understand what Proverbs says on a given topic, you have to bring in multiple verses. And so if you have your worship program in front of you, I encourage you to have a pen. We're going to be jumping around between the different verses and you can take notes as well. Because I think this is something that's really important to all of us, right? We know that our choices determine our future. We know that our choices matter, right? Our career choices, our school choices, relationship choices, where we live do we buy this home or do we buy this condo? How, do, how should we raise our children? Should I have this conversation or should I not have this conversation? What should I do with my savings? All these different decisions that weigh on us and that matter because they're so deeply entrenched in who we are, so important to us. And we ask this question a lot, like, am I making the right decision? How do I know that I'm making a good decision. And so what happens, right, oftentimes is when we're making a decision that's important, we are riddled with fear and anxiety and stress about whether or not this is the correct and good and right decision, or maybe we just have decided just to make decisions impulsively because we don't want to deal with the stress. Well, Proverbs says a lot about making good decisions. And it says in Proverbs 21, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty or impulsive comes only to poverty. So if you're diligent, if you're careful, if you're thoughtful with your plans, it's going to lead to abundance. You're going to produce much. It's going to be successful. But if you're impulsive, if you're hasty, if you're careless, if you're negligent with your plans and the decisions that you make, it's going to lead to poverty. You're not going to produce much at all. You're going to produce below what is average and and normative, done sermon over, right? There you go. Be diligent. Don't be impulsive with your plans. Well, we know that we have to know more than that, right? We can tell ourselves like, okay, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be thoughtful. I'm going to be careful with my plans and decisions that I make, and it's going to lead to abundance. But you know that you're still going to be riddled with anxiety. Like, am I, is this actually the right decision? I mean, I've been diligent. I've been thoughtful. I wasn't impulsive. I thought about it so much. I don't even actually want to make a decision, right? So Proverbs has so much to say about this. And, and so much of what it actually says seems contradictory. Notice what it says in Proverbs sixteen thirty three: The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So the casting of lots would be like the flipping of a coin. That's the equivalent. So it's saying here, right? So you're, you're diligent with your plans, you're thoughtful, you're not impulsive, and you arrive at the decision that you have to make in order to achieve the plan that you feel like you're supposed to head towards. And so you flip the coin and you've done everything and you've prepared everything and you feel like it's going to be heads. And sometimes it turns out to be heads and you're really happy, but sometimes it turns out to be tails. And you're like, what happened in the process? And Proverbs is saying here that when you get to the point to where you make this decision and you flip the coin, you cast the lot, that actually whatever it lands on, heads or tails, whether it's the outcome you wanted or the outcome you didn't want, that it's from the Lord. That he, he is involved in every single detail, every single decision. And you sit there and you say, that gives me so much peace, right? I know that God is in control of my life. 
that every little detail matters to him, but it can also lead to paralysis, right? Where you sit there and you think to yourself, but wait, do my decisions really matter then? I mean, if God is involved in every little decision and everything happens how God orchestrated it and determined it and ordained it, and I flip the coin and it's going to be heads if God wanted it to be heads and there's no way it could be tails, then why do I stress so much about making decisions? I should probably just sit back and see what God does. But what Proverbs tells you here is that your decisions actually matter a lot. Look at verse 9. It says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So here's what it's saying. Your plans are yours. You are free to choose. Your decisions matter. Your decisions and your plans are yours, but actually the steps that you take and where you go and every little thing that follows after the decision is God's. And he's been in control of it. See, there's this tension that Proverbs is pulling up that seems so contradictory to us. It's this paradox, right? Where Proverbs is saying that you have freedom in your decisions. There's personal responsibility and you have freedom there, but everything is determined by God. Everything is controlled by God. Everything is ordained by God. And so you are completely free to choose and your decisions are yours and you bear the responsibility of whatever outcome happens because of the decisions that you make. You're not under compulsion. There is free will, but in a way that you don't quite understand, maybe you can't grasp, whatever happens is determined and ordained, and you could never do anything to change the steps that you're going to take. You are free to choose, but your choices will always be exactly as God planned. And you're like, wait a second, right? How? How does that work? I was thinking about it this week, maybe because I'm envious of the idea of being in a lazy river, but I was thinking about a lazy river and I was like, imagine you're in a lazy river and you're floating, right? You're not in control of the current. The current is moving you in a direction and you can't do anything to resist it if it's a good lazy river. There's no way you can go against it. But you're actually free in the inner tube to do what you want. You can shift your weight. You can paddle over the jets to go a little bit faster. You can splash your friends and hope they flip over. Whatever happens, right? In the moment, right around you, you are free to make decisions. But where you go and the steps that actually happen as you move forward is not determined by you. It's a crude example of what's being said here, right? You are free to choose in your choices. There's no compulsion. You bear the responsibility of every decision that you make. But yet God has ordained your steps and you can't change them. And that is hard for us because we are an either-or species, right? When you hear that, when someone says that to you, you think this. No, 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 that does not work logically. I don't understand that. Either I am completely free to choose and I can actually determine my destiny. And the picture is actually that I'm standing at a crossroad of multiple paths. And whatever choice I make will determine what path I walk down. I'm in a lazy river, Carter, but there's no moving water. I paddle myself as fast as I want and when I want and where I want. Or I'm a puppet and I I can't make any choices. I'm in the lazy river and I'm stuck in the inner tube and I actually can't move at all. And I'm just going wherever God wants. It's either or. It can't be both. Right? And we wrestle with these things. You know, there's an, an example of this in, in the titan of a film in 2004, Butterfly Effect. 
You've seen it when Ashton Kutcher was just crushing the game. You know, he was doing punks and he was butterfly effect. He was all over the place. I don't know what he's doing now. But this movie is based on a real theory. If you've seen this, the real theory is the idea that your decisions carry so much weight that a butterfly that flaps its wings could actually, in the future, cause a tornado on the other side of the world. And so every little decision that you make affects and determines your future. You are completely in control. And so you need to be very mindful about the decisions that you make, big decisions and small decisions. And, and if you kind of fall into this and you believe this, man, you are overcome with the weight of that. Because it feels unbearable, right? You're always asking, what if? Like, did I make the right decision? Did I choose the right job? Am I dating the right person? Are we raising our kids the right way? I mean, everything is just bombarding your mind and you're like, I don't know because you believe that you can determine your future by every little decision. Or the other side is actually almost as unbearable as well, which is determinism. You know, Sam Harris, a prominent author and uh, evangelistic atheist, he's, he believes this and here's what he says. He says that everything is determined. Now, you don't have free will. You believe that you have free will, but you did not determine your genes or your environment or your parents or your brain. And so you believe that you're in control and you believe that you're making choices, but you're actually just responding to impulses. And so you don't actually have freedom to choose and to make decisions. Your decisions are going to happen no matter what, and they're determined. Not by you, but by these different impulses. And, and the mind-numbing, but I would argue, incredible film, Interstellar, speaks about this and suggests this thought, right? So we believe that it's, it has to be either or. Either it's butterfly effect or either it's interstellar. Either I'm completely free to choose or everything is determined. And we ask this question sometimes. Maybe you've asked this before of other people. Maybe it's been asked to you or somebody says, do you have free will or is everything determined? Notice how we even ask the question, right? Do you have free will or is everything determined as if it can't be both? And the answer to the question, the right answer is yes. Yes, everything is determined and I have free will because my plans are mine and my choices matter. And so we wrestle with that, right? And, and we, we work through that and we say, how does it actually come together? And then someone tells us that God is determining our steps and we say, that doesn't really sit well with me because I like to choose my own adventure. You know, I like to make my own way and I don't want to feel like God is kind of ordering my steps without me kind of telling him where I want him to go. Because what if I don't like the life that God gave me? What if I don't like where he's called me? What if I don't like what he's doing in my life? I want to be in complete control. But then Proverbs sixteen twenty five says this, and I think if you're honest, you do a self-assessment, you know this is true. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. See, we have an uncanny ability and, and a skill as human beings to convince ourselves that we're right, right? We, we have the ability to say, no, this is 100% the right decision. And if we were actually completely in control of our future, the majority of us in this room would have never made it past middle school. We just wouldn't. We would not be here. We would not be alive. If we were completely in control of every little decision. 
So we want to believe that we are, but what we really are, even though we have the ability to convince ourselves of what we think and our opinion and our thoughts and the decision that we believe that we're going to make is right no matter what, we are imprisoned to the results, right? We, we always determine whether or not a decision was good based on whether or not it produces a good result. And a decision is bad if it produces a bad result. And so if we sit in this place where we believe that our, either our decisions matter so much that we have the ability to determine our future without God and God kind of tags along or God determines it and we're a puppet, neither one of those are true. And there's actually great peace and there's great joy in knowing and believing and understanding that you are completely free to choose, that your plans are yours, that your decisions matter, you're not under compulsion, and you have free will. However, God is in control, and he is ordaining your steps. And whatever happens is exactly what God wanted to happen, the exact way it turned out. But not only does it happen exactly how it happened. It always happens for good if you love him. So probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous verse besides John 3.16 is Romans 8.28. You see it on the screen behind me. It says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You've written this down somewhere before, maybe. Someone's told you this. But doesn't this give some insight? into what this verse really means. All things work together for good. Your decisions are yours. You are not a puppet. You have free will. They matter. But yet God will establish your steps, if you love him, in a way that's always working towards good, regardless of the outcome. Regardless of whether or not you make a decision and it's a bad outcome, God's going to work good in your life. And that is the end goal. That is what he's doing. There's great peace in that. But you sit there and you think to yourself, okay, Carter, I understand that now. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, that I have freedom and my choices matter. They're mine. My plans are mine. But God is in control and he's ordering my steps for good. It gives me great peace, but I still don't know how to make good decisions. Because you're telling me that they matter still. So how do I make good decisions? Well, the following is, is a wise prescription for making good decisions. Here's what he says in Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man. There it is again. Your plans belong to you. The plans of your heart, the things that you desire and you care about, they belong to you. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Again, Proverbs is highlighting this tension, personal responsibility and divine activity. That the plans of the heart belong to you. Those plans that really matter, right? Those plans that keep you up at night. Those plans that you're nervous to make a decision because you don't want to make a bad decision. These are not the plans of whether I should go to Chipotle or my ceviche, right? These are the plans that matter. Should I take this job or should I not? Should I move to this city? Should I not? Should I date this person? Should I not? How should we raise our kids? What should we do with our investment? How should we give? How should we... These are the questions that matter. I'm saying these belong to you. They're a part of your heart. They weigh heavy on you. So how do you make a good decision with them? Well, one of the most vital steps that Proverbs tells us is that you're to seek counseling. This is part of personal responsibility. You're to seek counseling. Look what it says in Proverbs 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Very clear, right? 
If you want to make good decisions, you need to seek counsel because you will succeed when you have many advisors speaking into the decisions that you're about to make, the plans that weigh heavy on your heart. You need people to speak into that. But there is a difference between counseling and confirmation. And so often we claim that we're seeking counseling, right? We go to our friends, we go to family, we maybe go to spiritual leaders or mentors or coworkers, and we tell them our plans. But actually what we only want to hear is that's a great idea, right? Go for it. We give them no authority to speak truth. We are not open. We've already made our decision and we believe it's right because we have the ability to convince ourselves that whatever we think is right. And so we're just looking for confirmation so that when we make the decision, we feel good about it. Because we're a prisoner to the results. And so we want as many people as possible to tell us that our idea is brilliant. And this is a great plan. Because we're not seeking counseling. We're just seeking confirmation. Proverbs 15, 15 says the same thing that we've been talking about. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. So the person that just seeks confirmation, they've already convinced themselves that whatever they think is right. They're not going to open up their plans to anybody else. They just want confirmation. But the wise man or the wise woman listens to advice, gathers together people to really hear from them. You see, real counseling that leads to making good decisions requires a few things. One, it requires you giving authority to that person to be honest. And oftentimes what that means is you actually tell them that, right? Listen, I want you to be honest honest. I want you to tell me what you think, even if it hurts me, even if I get defensive, because I probably will, because these are the plans of the heart and they matter. And I've been diligent and I've thought about them, but I want you to be honest. Secondly, not only need you to give authority, but you actually need to be open. If you give authority to someone to speak truth and to speak honestly with you, but you're not open with your plans, you don't, don't have open hands, then it's just going to be throwing truth at a brick wall. You have to walk into the conversation saying, I'm actually going to listen and open up my plans. I'm not necessarily going to change them based on whatever they say, but I'm going to take it into account. Think about it and process it. Third, you have to be intentional, right? This is not like you're leaving church and you're like, hey, I have this really important decision. What do you think? Right? It's not like walking by and getting a cup of coffee at work and asking a coworker. It's, it's setting time aside intentionally getting lunch, getting coffee, having a long phone call, whatever it may be, it's being intentional with that. And then lastly, it's seeking diversity in the opinions that you seek. It says that wise men listen to advice, but they listen to advice from many advisors, not just their best friend, not just their pastor, not just their mom or their dad or their brother or their sister or their spouse, but many advisors. And so if you're looking to make good decisions, here's what Proverbs says. Seek many advisors, open up your plans, be intentional and give them authority, but also be very mindful about who you ask to speak into the plans that matter. You don't just ask anyone. That's what it says in Proverbs 12. It says, the thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Meaning you also need to be mindful about who you ask. Because the righteous who are seeking after justice because they're surrendered to scripture, because they're following after God and they're sensitive to the spirit, they're going to actually tell you what you need to hear. They're going to tell you what is just and what is right. Not necessarily what they believe is right, but what is right for you and what is good in the situation. 
because they're submitted to the Spirit and they're submitted to Scripture. And they're aimed at justice in their life. But the wicked are deceitful. And oftentimes, they're not meaning to be. But they're not sitting under Scripture and sensitive to the Spirit and aimed at justice. And so when you have a conversation with them and you tell them your plans, they may say something that's beneficial for them, but not necessarily beneficial for you. Maybe they don't want to lose a friend. You're thinking about moving away and they tell you you shouldn't, even though they know that you should. Because they don't want to lose you. Or maybe they tell you what they believe is right, even if it's not right. It's just right for them. And so they're going to share what's right for them, not necessarily what is right and good. Or maybe they love you and care about you and they're not willing to say hard things to you, even though they're thinking something different. They don't want to mess with the relationship. And so who you seek counseling from matters. You should go to people that are righteous, that are aimed at justice, will speak truth to you and tell you what is true and right, that are submitted to Scripture and are sensitive to the Spirit. And so you do all of this, right? You have the plan, the heart that's really important to you, and you've been diligent with it. You've thought about it. You've compared it. Now you've gone to wise counselors, and you've opened up your plans, and you've given them authority, and you've set an intentional time aside, and you've got a diverse you know, group of opinions, and you've taken all of that, and you've boiled it down. And you're ready to make a decision, and guess what? You still feel anxious, right? You're still stressed. You're still nervous. You ask this question like, am I going to be following God's will if I make this decision? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Like, am I following God's will? Is this, is this the right decision that God would have for me? So what we're really asking there, right, when we ask the question of like, am I following God's will? Or what is God's will? Is Am I making the right decision? Is this right? And is this good? But see, there's one step that is the most important step that has to take place every single time you make a decision that is weighing on your heart, that is important and vital. You can seek counseling, and you should. You should be diligent with your plans. You should open them up and have people speak into them. But there's one thing that's the most important says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Look carefully at the words. We say this a lot, like the words matter. Every little word in scripture matters. It's there for a purpose. Here's what it says. Commit your plans to the Lord and they will be established. It doesn't say that, right? What does it say? Commit your what? Work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. It's been saying that your plans are yours, right? They're yours. You have freedom. Your decisions matter. Commit your work. Every deed, every thought, every decision, everything that happens, you commit that to the Lord. Actually, the word commit in the Hebrew means to put all of your weight on. So put all of your weight on the Lord, Every decision, every thought, every outcome. Put it on the Lord and you'll begin to make smart plans. Your plans will be established when you put all of your weight, everything that you are in him. Here's what it's saying. Trust God with everything. Everything. Every thought, every decision, every anxiety, every fear, every outcome. 
Give everything to him, right? We, it seems like Christian jargon sometimes. Maybe someone said this to you when you've had a decision you haven't made. Just trust God. You're like, how do I do that? And what does that mean? Just trust God. You're like, okay, I'm trusting God, right? I'm still anxious and fearful. And I don't know if I'm making the right decision. Am I in God's will? I don't know. See, trusting God means putting all of your weight on him. Giving him everything. Every little thing. It means actually going to God in the same way that you go to wise counsel. Why would we go to God differently? So when you, when you trust God, when you put all of your weight on him, what do you do? You set aside time intentionally to talk with him. You give God authority to actually speak into your plans as you read his word. As you read scripture, which are his words of truth to us. You open up your plans and you actually listen to what he says. And you're willing to change your plans. Because you know he's always going to speak truth in love. So you give authority to him and you're open-handed because you, you recognize and you believe what it says again for the third time in Proverbs 16, that all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. He pricks the spirit. You can convince yourself that you're right, but the Lord, when you put all of your weight on him and when you commit everything that you are to him and you really truly trust him, he weighs your spirit. He will guide you and establish successful, smart plans. John Newton says this, and this should be all of our anthems. If you are a follower of Christ, he says, what you will, when you will, and how you will. That's putting all of your weight on God, right? What you will, when you will, and how you will. Every little detail. And what that enables you to do is make a decision and trust. You're riddled with anxiety. You have fear. You've gone through all the other steps. You've come before the Lord. You've put all of your weight on him. You've listened to his word. You've opened him up. You've been intentional. And now it's time to make a decision and trust him. That he is establishing your steps. And it's difficult for us to do this, right? Because we often say this. I just don't have peace about it. Have you ever said that? I just, I don't, I don't have peace, you know? So God sometimes gives peace, and that's really generous, but sometimes he doesn't. And you have to make a decision and trust. You know, two years ago, my wife and I uh, were in a place where we had zero peace. Like zero, right? We had a calling, we had plans that we believed were right and true, and we wanted to make a decision, but we, oh, we just didn't know what to do. We had felt called to church planning, for a few years, and we knew kind of the type of area that we wanted to church plan, the culture and the demographic, and we wanted to go somewhere where there was need. And so we thought for about three or four years that we were going to Boston. Every single person in our life knew we were going to Boston. Our church family, my family, her family, all of our friends, Carter and Jessica are going to Boston. And we, two years ago in July, were on a vision trip in Boston. Multiple vision trips, actually. And this is the last one. This was going to be the one that was going to tell us exactly what we needed to do. We were going around. We were meeting all different pastors and networks. We were looking at real estate. We knew the neighborhood we were going to move into. I mean, we were like ready to go, guys. And we come back from that trip and we're like, oh, no. We have no peace. I was really nervous that I was manufacturing something that God did not want. 
And what I realized is that we had been seeking confirmation and we hadn't been seeking counseling. That we hadn't and I hadn't actually just really gone before the Lord and said, okay, it's, it's open. I thought I knew. Convinced myself and everyone else. And I was really excited. So everybody said, great job, go for it. And I was like, God, I need to actually go to you and hear what you have to say. And so I sought wise counsel. We took two months. We said, God, we're going to take two months. And we're just going to pray. And we're going to ask you to weigh our spirit because we can convince ourselves that we're right. And so I went to a, a trusted advisor, Al Barth, who works with the Redeemer City to City Network. And I said, Al, here's the situation. I don't know what to do. What do you think? Please be honest. <laughs> he said, listen, I think you're doing the right thing. Do you need to pray about it? I, I mean, maybe you guys could be there. Let me give you other options. So we started weighing all these other options, all different places. And it was getting near the end of the two-month period, the, near the end of September. And we're like, okay, we're almost near the end of two months. We're just going to make a decision and trust. And then I got a phone call to meet a guy named Felipe Assis at a Starbucks in Mary Brickle Village. Who is this guy? You know. Come meet him. Walked away from meeting and said, this feels different. Talk with Jessica. We come meet you guys. You bring me here and you make me preach on sex for the first sermon. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> but we have known this is exactly where God has wanted us. We are in God's will. Every decision, every little detail, God worked out. He established our steps. Kind of fell into that a bit. But he establishes them taught us of what it looks like to make healthy, wise decisions as you seek wise counsel, not confirmation. As you go before the Lord and you open it up and you ask God to speak into it. And then when you actually make a decision, even though there's fear and anxiety, you just trust him because he's always going to work good for you. You see, that's, that's the struggle that we have because our trust wavers. Sometimes we don't put everything on the Lord. We don't follow him. We battle with it. So really, if you're asking yourself, how do I learn how to make good decisions? It boils down to something very simple. Follow Jesus and go. That's what it is. Follow Jesus and go. Jesus, who made right decisions, even when his peace was lacking, right before the cross, what is Jesus? He's in the garden, he's praying, he's sweating blood. Zero peace. And yet he moves forward and makes right decisions for our sake. He gives his life for our sake, for your sin and for mine. He's buried in the grave and he comes out of the grave victorious. The disciples go, Peter and a few others, they notice that he's risen and Peter understands that he's risen. He goes back, where are the disciples? They're hiding. They're fearful. They don't want to make any decision. They don't want to make the wrong decision. They obviously don't want to get killed and so they're just sitting in a room and hiding even though they know that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, that he has died for their sins. He's risen from the dead. They've seen the empty tomb. They've seen the garments and they're hiding. Because they're terrified to make a decision. And Jesus shows up when they're in the room. And here's what he says. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Right? They're fearful. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to make decisions. They've been seeking wise counsel with each other. They're like, hey, let's stay here. Let's stay here. Let's stay here. Right? Then Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. Jesus is peace. And he is always with you. And here's what he says to you. Go. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There are some steps that you should take in order to make wise decisions, but ultimately, when you make a decision, you should just follow me and go. And trust, because I'm always going to work everything out for good. So how do we make wise decisions? 
You follow Jesus and you go. Let's pray.